Indeed it does carry on. Uh, Radio Row, third floor, Mall of America, absolutely packed. Celebrities, dignitaries, professional athletes. Russell Wilson just walked by, so it's uh, it's crazy out here, a lot of fun. Hour to go on Mackie and Judd. We are now joined by Matthew Collar, and of course, as we've been telling you all week, everything that Matthew Collar does for the station this week, whether it's uh, right pow, for pow, the pow, website, pow. whether it's talk on the air, or do a podcast like we are going uh, to do today at uh, the Beacon Hotel is powered by the fine folks at Sprint. Pow, pow. Welcome, Matthew. Let's start off with Pew. this. Yesterday, you listened to Mark Wilf talk about the process. I did, yes. Today, you heard... For the first time since the season ended, Vikings GM Rick Spielman talk about his quarterback situation. Uh-huh. Did you listen to any of this and uh, become smarter and or glean where this all might be headed? I did not. No. Um, listening to both of them, they don't want to give any indication whatsoever which direction they might go. The only thing that you could take away from Rick Spielman today is that he said the offensive coordinator decision is coming first and then the quarterback decision. So it sounds to me like the offensive coordinator will play a role in deciding on the quarterback, though I think they know who they want as their quarterback, and they are picking an offensive coordinator in part with how well they can maximize the skills of one Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, That is my theory, but... This thing is just so hard to put odds on. I mean, every question that we asked, so would you use the franchise tag on Case Keenum? Well, we're not talking about that. So how's uh, Teddy's knee? You've seen him practice. We have it. Well, not going to tell you. I, so they are keeping everything under lock and key here, but I would still bet my money at this moment that Teddy Bridgewater is the starting quarterback at the beginning of 2018. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh... – I think the fact that they weren't reportedly in on Alex Smith conversations, if that's true, I mean, that's what Doogie said this week with us, that if, if you were open, truly open to outside options that weren't on your roster last year, you would have been in on the Alex Smith conversations, right? Like, there's almost yep. no way that you wouldn't have been. Before you found out that, oh, yeah, he really wants to sign a four-year contract extension, I think you're right. I think the smart money is on Bridgewater and then figure out the coordinator that works best with him. There was another read-between-the-lines sort of thing when Mark Wilf was talking about uh, wanting to find that franchise quarterback who is here for years and years, and if that, that, that just wouldn't qualify as talking about Case Keenum, right? I mean... I would be really stunned. That's the outcome that would surprise me. All the other ones wouldn't. If Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback of this team, I'd be like, okay, I guess that happened. Right. Um, but the only one that would really stun me would be if Case Keenum signed a five-year, $120 million contract extension and was the long-term option for this team. That yeah. would be the only one that would really blow me away. Everything else I think is on the table. So when you talk about having that be the dream scenario of having someone be your franchise quarterback I think that they viewed Teddy Bridgewater going into 2016 as sorry, the, I'm knocking everything over that, that's all right I'm, I'm not distracted. right now I'm spazzing if, out on radio if I can't be distracted by Russell Wilson walking by and, and, and uh, people bouncing people off your bouncing back. off me yeah then uh, I've had more people elbow me in the head today than I have in a long time nothing like that can game. take away my football focus can I say that I would let Russell Wilson elbow me in the head I would allow that to happen. At full speed or just like a little? Nut? No, just like a radio row, like, yeah. you know, yeah, just a mild concussion. Uh, yeah. Just as an aside, I was this morning watching back his John Gruden quarterback camp from 2012 with Russell Wilson. Because it's what you do in the morning. Look, I wake up, I start to look through Twitter. I appreciate you. If there's nothing interesting on Twitter. You make me Twitter, feel normal. 
I start to go through YouTube, and my YouTube gathers the things that I watch. Yeah. So I had the option, do I want to watch the Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins from 1994? Do I want to watch Gruden Russell Wilson quarterback camps? So I was like, okay, I'll just watch that. So I watched him and Brock Osweiler back-to-back. And Russell Wilson has to be one of the most impressive human beings in that and one of the most mature, confident people and intelligent and inquisitive, too. Yeah. That was Brock. He, well, I'll tell you in a second. Wilson and Gruden are geeking out over X's and O's where they're finishing each other's sentences. This thing is so football. But it also shows you that Wilson, who learned two different schemes in college, NC State and then Wisconsin, that he knew both of them still like the back of his hand at that point, and he hadn't played for Wisconsin in a year at, at that point. Osweiler came across as kind of fake, kind of like prepared a little bit. And when he got criticized, no one's going to be like, screw you, Gruden. What have you done? Because he's like a Super Bowl ring, right? Yeah. But you can see sometimes when he criticizes guys, I love to watch that. Because the best responses are either the guy gets mad, sort of. You could see it, but he's holding it back. That's good response. Or the guy is like, this, that's unacceptable. I can't do that. This is what went wrong and can tell you exactly everything. The worst response is, yeah, I guess... Uh, Guess that was a mistake, you know, just the aw shucks. And the Brock Osweiler was the ultimate aw shucks. Like a guy who's just, well, yeah, I guess that didn't go right, huh? And you could, and Gruden was amazing because he pointed out moments in this, in, in the tape where the other players were looking to Osweiler and going, Hey, what was the call there? What what, what went wrong? And Osweiler's kind of like, I don't know, I don't know. On the field, he's showing him the tape. And I thought it kind of embarrassed him. And, and then Gruden goes, Hey, if uh, Mick Jagger went out and sung the wrong notes, people wouldn't like that, right? right. As a quarterback, you got to be perfect. Right. And the look on Osweiler's face was just like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and and that's, it was it really was, fascinating That's kind of like what we watch. were talking yesterday with, uh, with Greg Jennings about Christian Ponder, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, I hey, thought of the same thing. 11 on 11, it's time to crank up the temperature here, even in just training camp. Forget about a game. And it's two-minute drill. And everyone, the other 10 guys in your huddle or in the no huddle, are all looking at you to be commanding and looking at you for guidance and for validation. And if you're looking back at them with the same look in your face, uh-huh. you know, I, actually, I kind of need some validation. It's over. And it's so, over. Something else that was really interesting, because, yes, you're exactly right. Something else that was really interesting, too, was the whiteboard. And where Brock Osweiler, he knew all the right notes to play, but I don't think that he looked anywhere as close to understanding how this all works, seeing the three-dimensional chess game, all the concept, all the theories, where Russell Wilson knew all that stuff. Wilson wasn't just telling him, hey, when they send a blitz and they have one more guy coming and we have blockers, I'm supposed to throw a hot route. Yeah. Wilson was saying to Gruden, but you don't always want to throw that hot because then they read it and they set you up for that in the NFL level. So what you want to do is you want to look for actually your play as opposed to just having to go to the hot, and you can't go to the hot all the time. And it was like, wow, Russell Wilson, you are freaking smart. And then at the end, Gruden comes on, and he gives all of them like, hey, I really like this guy. This guy's the best guy. But with Wilson, it was different. He comes on at the end, and he goes, this guy could be the steal of the draft, and in 10 years we could be talking about him as a great quarterback. So how does he see that in two and a half rounds worth of executives kind of say, because of his height? Another great part of, of it. Because of his height. Another great part of it. Gruden tried to mess with him about his height. He's like, guy, yeah, you're pretty short, guy. Aren't you pretty short? 
And Wilson's like, I can make all the throws. And he's like, no, 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 but you're short, and everyone's going to tell you you're short. And he's like, yeah, they've always told me that. I can make the throws. It was a great response. It didn't shake him at all. He stared right at Gruden like, just, I, I can make those throws. Yeah. And uh, I don't think that it bothered Gruden at all what it, what his height was because he saw what his tape looked like. Right. But in the rest of the NFL, see, Gruden, though, he doesn't have a job on the line at that point. So he can just say, and if he's wrong, he can go, oh, well, I guess I was wrong. Well, I'm going to do another one of these uh, again next year. But with the NFL executives, they get scared on stuff like this sometimes. And his height was the only reason he fell. And keep in mind, too, that, that they get guys who are really smart and prepared and and look to play the part in a meeting room. Yep. And that's where it's very tough. And, and plus, what we talked about with uh, – Ryan Leaf three days ago becomes a factor too, which is when is cockiness a good thing and when do, when does it cross a, a line yep. where you're too cocky and too self-assured and not good enough to be that guy. But reading the quarterback position, if somebody could find a way to get it right, which is damn near impossible, yep. you would make a billion dollars. It's incredibly difficult, but one of the things about Wilson that you also see in Teddy Bridgewater, it, well, two things that, that factor in. One, is the just incredible intelligence and understanding the game at a much higher level than this is my read and this is what I'm supposed to do, right? But but also understanding how you can manipulate all of those things. Kind of like Brett Favre, he says uh, in his thing with Gruden that he got bored faking handoffs, so he decided to just tell one of his receivers, go for a pass that time because it looks like they're reading it. And then now we have like RPOs that are all perfectly designed, but that was the thing that he just sort of said, you know what, I think I can manipulate this situation and I can do that. I think you look for guys who can do that, not just tell you, oh, yeah, well, when they run cover two, you get that streak route and you throw it in that area. Well, every single quarterback who's going to be drafted knows that stuff, right? It's that can you take it to a conceptual level where you're going to understand – the, the, the NFL is a constant manipulation of these things on a week-to-week basis. Correct. But the, the other thing is, too, Wilson and Bridgewater both went through some things that shaped them, too. Not just the um, fact that Wilson was short, but he also lost his dad in that process as well when he was in college right around that time. So he was going through, he was going through all this stuff at once. He was deciding whether he wanted to play baseball. North Carolina State told him, don't come back because we've moved on to another quarterback. He had to go to Wisconsin to learn an entire new offense and try to be the leader there. And then he lost three games on Hail Marys, and one was on a bad call, and he just continued to plow through and play incredible football. And when you see somebody who's been able to handle that type of adversity throughout his career, this is why they believe this is all of this is a Teddy Bridgewater point, by the way. This is all the stuff you could describe Teddy Bridgewater with, the way that he's gone through all of these things, and this is why they believe in him at the level that they do. So that's a great segue into, so Judd had his quarterback mastermind plan for the Vikings last week. It was squashed because Alex Smith got traded to Washington and signed an absurd contract. I'm going to present another quarterback plan that involves somebody that we have not talked about at all until this very next segment. Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar, Radio Rome, All of America, back with more shortly. Well, my quarterback didn't get retained. Yeah, you know, I I thought that was uh, an interesting change, really without consulting me. Um, There's a close uh, connection between quarterback and quarterback coach, um, and uh, that was an interesting decision. That was Aaron Rodgers this morning. He also... In addition to ripping the franchise, the Packers, for uh, not retaining his quarterback's coach without consulting him, 
He also talked about the final four teams remaining in the playoffs and how, if you look at them, all of them have either great defenses or are extremely well coached, saying that the Patriots are the, you know, the, the best coached team maybe in the NFL. So if I'm putting all those things together, and Aaron Rodgers, is, this is not the first time Matthew Collar joining us, powered by Sprint, his appearances, Deion Sanders just walked by, Russell Wilson just walked by. It's a zoo here at Radio Row. But Aaron Rodgers is clearly not happy in Green Bay. Clearly. Like, he's been, he's been asking the Ted Thompson front offices for two or three years, hey, I'm not getting any younger. Let's start to build a defense here. Tom Brady has had top ten defenses almost his entire two-decade career in New England. Mm-hmm. Judd Zolgad unveiled his Alex Smith game plan for the Vikings to switch up their quarterback spot last week. It failed not because it was a bad idea, but because the Vikings weren't willing to uh, to play poker there. You mm-hmm. tried, Judd. So Give him my best effort. Hear me out on this. I ran this by Judd earlier. I want to run, run it by you too, Collar. Aaron Rodgers has two more years left on his contract in Green Bay. He's a free agent at age 35-36 after the 2019 season. Unless things drastically change, I don't think he's going to stay in Green Bay. I think he'd look around the room and say, I only have a few years left. I want to win another Super Bowl. I should have as many rings as as a Peyton Manning with two or a Tom Brady with a handful. If you're the Vikings and you're even thinking about Kirk Cousins, would Aaron Rodgers' availability in 2019 make you lean more toward a Teddy Bridgewater or a franchise tag of Case Keenum just to keep the 5 to 10% chance alive that he would be willing to sign here. If and I say that real quick because of this. He wants a great defense. He wants a great tactical coach. And he probably wants to stick it to the Packers, <laughs> which are things that Brett Favre wanted too in 2009. It's very similar, and I would consider keeping the door open in two years by signing Teddy Bridgewater or Case Keenum instead of Kirk Cousins. The hard part about that is I think that the Vikings will still be good and still be competitive for years to come with the roster that they've built. I don't know that they'll be as good and competitive as they were this year by then. I mean, they still will likely have Mike Zimmer as their head coach. They will still likely have a lot of the talented defensive players that they'll keep around. But trying to project out that far to how good a team is going to be is really tough. And I don't know that it would be a factor, Aaron Rodgers' possible availability. Um, but I do think if you're talking about bringing Teddy Bridgewater back, you would not be giving him a seven-year contract or something. No. I mean, you would be talking about giving him a fairly short-term deal, knowing that you can always franchise tag him at the end, that you would give him a fairly short-term deal to prove that he can actually play again, and that would leave the door open for some something wild for a Brett Favre redux to happen. I don't think it will, but I also... Okay, I don't want to put this the wrong way. Say I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers because you can't actually feel bad for Aaron Rodgers yeah. with anything in his life. He makes, he makes a lot of money. Lots of money. He's extremely he popular. He's Super Bowl. He yeah. uh, is ex- very, very good at football. But it is if you're a Packers fan, you have to look at his situation and say, we should have more than this. Of this course. guy is so unbelievably good. That's what good. he keeps saying. And, and, right, and the fact that he even says it himself, and I don't understand getting rid of the quarterback's coach. What exactly well, did the quarterback's coach do to, what, Brett he Hundley? Did, the, the story is this. The quarterback's coach resigned his position because Mike McCarthy's uh, background is, is that he does not allow his position coaches to go in- interview for coordinator oh, jobs. Okay, all right. So Alex Van Pelt, his quarterback's coach, felt pressure to step down I see. because he wants to be an, an offensive coordinator. 
Now, that being said, there's a very interesting position that's open here in, in the Twin Cities for an offensive coordinator in Eden Prairie, soon to be Egan. That could maybe sign a three-year contract to be available when Aaron Rodgers How about is. that for the ultimate troll? <laughs> Alex Van Pelt, do you want to be a coordinator? We think you'd be fantastic uh, and, here in Minnesota. And Van Pelt fits the mold. The guy was a backup quarterback. Trust me, I watched him growing up. It wasn't good, but he was there for a long time because he was very intelligent and working with Aaron Rodgers maybe does get him an interview. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like the Vikings are waiting to interview uh, DiFilippo, the, the Eagles quarterback's, quarterback's coach, coach right? from the Eagles. So that would tell me, and the fact that Kevin Stefanski is in the mix here too, yep. that would tell me that they aren't just locked into people with previous experience yep. as an offensive coordinator, and maybe he's on the list. But I think that making any moves with just some long-shot hope that there could be any chance Aaron Rodgers would come here and play is probably not what they're thinking. It's sort of like if that scenario comes up, you move heaven and earth to make it happen. Because if you think about it, let's say you did have Kirk Cousins, right? And Aaron Rodgers said, <clears throat> may I come quarterback your team? Then you'd say, uh, yeah, who wants Kirk Cousins? And f 10 teams raise their hand. We'll trade you draft picks. We'll trade you players. If they're trading this much for Alex Smith, they'll be trading that much for Kirk Cousins. I think two things here. One, one is I, I think that these guys would like to sign Teddy to about a three-year contract, but both Spielman and, and Zimmer are hoping that he is absolutely fine and plays well and eventually gets himself a long-term extension. The other thing is I think Mike McCarthy is going to be in his last year as head coach of the Packers next season. And I told Phil this. I think what they're going to do is they're going to fire McCarthy, Matthew, and they're uh -huh. going to go out and hire a defensive coach. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need an offensive coach. He might need a coordinator who he likes right. and a position coach, but he does not need his head coach to be an, an offensive guy. In fact, it might help him if he's not. All right, so then he can run so the offense. Yeah. I think the page that the Packers are going to take from what the Vikings did is to actually go find a defensive-minded coach first and have that guy establish a defense because it's been how many years? Five years or so since the Packers have had a semblance of a decent defense. Yeah. yeah that, I, I think, is their plan. And they probably at some point should have moved on from McCarthy anyway. I mean, not exactly the best manager of uh, the game situations and things like that, which I think has frustrated Aaron Rodgers before. But it's really hard no matter what to make Aaron Rodgers happy if he's not winning the Super Bowl. And I think that that's really clear from how he is and one of the reasons he's so great is these guys who are great they're just never happy with anything right because if you were you'd be like huh i have a lot of money so i'm just not going to work as hard um but it really comes through when he's one of the most honest guys and uh, you know his some of his frustrations with mccarthy um, could eventually lead to him going. I just don't know if I see that. I, yeah. I mean, you, maybe he wants to be the anti-Favre with just staying there his whole career. Yeah, I, he doesn't seem like the. I mean, Brett Favre, even though he is from Southern, you know, Mississippi area, he, he Brett Favre actually seems like a Green Bay type figure and personality and uh, just character. Aaron Rodgers does not. I mean, Aaron Rodgers went to school in California. Yeah. It just seems like he's a Green Bay transplant. And at some point, he's just going to get sick of being there, and it's probably now he just signed a contract. But the other thing, too, is Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy, the decade that they worked together to put together rosters and to coach Aaron Rodgers' teams, parallel to the success that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have had. Now, they've, they got a head start in 2001, uh, but Brett, Brett Favre was the quarterback of the Packers going back to the early 2000s. The fact that the Patriots have put together a handful of Super Bowl championships and annual trips to the AFC Championship game and the Packers have uh -huh. won Super Bowl in that stretch, and a few small handful of AFC of NFC Championship games. The disparity between the coach and the front office 
Patriots, Packers. Mm -hmm. It ain't Brady and Rodgers. That's not the gap. That's not the right, gap. Right, it's, every, right. it's everything else around them that's the gap. Right, and Rodgers knows that. He is not a, a delusional person who thinks he's in the elite category. He knows he's in the elite category. And when you struggle so badly to build the defense, the one year you do it, you win the Super Bowl. It just has to drive him crazy. I mean, if I were him every day I woke up, I'd be like, defense, where are you? Why? What was it? How, how did we get ripped apart by Atlanta the way that we did? Because he knows he can match back and forth with Matt Ryan, that he He's even a better quarterback than Matt Ryan, and yet they got shredded so bad on defense they gave him no chance whatsoever to win. And that's why anytime the Vikings play the Packers, you always go into those games feeling like, yeah, Rodgers is going to do some crazy things, but we know we can score on them. So yep. you've got an opportunity to win when you play against the Packers because of that. Though I do wonder, the new general manager, will they finally invest? Will they finally go out? Because free agency it used to be a thing where you'd say look the team who spends the most in free agency will probably lose because they're going to go get a bunch of washed up guys who aren't what they used to be and then uh, they're they're going to sell it to their fans and everything's going to fall apart and they end up having to rebuild but i don't think it's really that way anymore i think players are are having longer careers their primes are lasting longer and with all the extra data that we have we can project, and that goes for health data too, we can project which players at which ages are going to start to fade uh, with more success than we ever could before. So if you're a team like Green Bay, I mean, that's exactly what you have to do. Almost what Denver did when they went out and got Aqib Tlaib and Ward the safety and uh, sure. I think it was DeMarcus Ware too. They stacked up their defense around Peyton Manning and then won a Super Bowl. Did Rick have any news to deliver whatsoever today in, a, in his State of the Vikings no. address? No. Uh, no, no, there really was. I mean, in all honesty, it was the offensive coordinator decision is not coming this week, yep. obviously, yep. and it might not be coming next week, but it's coming soon enough. So next week they're going to interview some other candidates, and then they're going to have a decision. So keep your eyes out for that. And then the quarterback decision does not seem close because the league year doesn't start till the middle of March. 13th or 14th, right? It, right, and yeah. this team always likes to run everything up to the very – uh, the very end, right? Whatever the deadline is, it seems like they will run it all the way up to the deadline. So they're going to have to decide on a fifth-year option for Trey Waynes, which I think they will, but we won't find that out till March. And then the quarterback decision probably too. I, I don't think that we're going to have a situation where someone tweets out, oh, yeah, the Vikings are signing Kirk Cousins next week. I think it's going to be a little while until we find out who's playing quarterback. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still shocked by the Alex Smith wheels being in motion oh, yeah. that fast yeah. and, and the contract and everything. So, you know, who knows what can happen then over the next few weeks. And there's going to be all kinds of tampering that I'm sure leaks out before the official tampering period. But, hey, go check out Matthew Collar's stuff, 1500ESPN.com. Hey, tell our audience, you guys, you guys are doing a special taping of the Purple Podcast later on today. Um, can people come watch and lurk around and hang out with you? They can indeed. We'll be at uh, the Beacon Public House inside the Graduate Hotel. We'll be there at 4 p.m. Uh, come watch, ask questions. Former Vikings Doug Sutherland and Ricky Young will join us. And Matthew will have four VIP Super Bowl experience passes to give away And I have well. been there. It's awesome. So, Super Bowl experience. Very cool. Excellent. Awesome. So cool. Che check it out. Be involved. Purple Podcast. A rare live taping of the Purple Podcast. Yeah, you guys, we can get you guys out on the road once in a while. I mean, just do it at bars. Get Judd like three beers in and have him tell you conspiracy theories about the early 2000s Vikings. 
So here's the thing. Go to bars? If someone okay. gives us their okay, money, thanks. then we will broadcast that they're... Or we'll broadcast in your basement if you want. If someone if you gives Judd gave money us, and beers, he'll right. talk conspiracy yep. theories If you gave us a few bucks, long. we would go to your house and sit in your garage and podcast. <laughs> Give me chip and, uh, chips and beer. That's my payment. That's all I want from them. Some dip, maybe? Yes, especially dip. Some dip especially would dip. be good. That's uh, it. Dave, you going to throw some questions at us when we come back here? Yeah, I could do that. Some football-y, Super Bowl-y questions. We've got plenty of those. All right, before we go anywhere, speaking of the Super Bowl experience powered by Genesis that Matthew Collar was uh, referencing, you can find it all week long still and through Saturday before the big game at the Minneapolis Convention Center. So you got about three days left to take advantage of all the festivities. So if you're kind of wondering, you know, where should I start or what's one thing that I need to do as a fan, the Super Bowl experience is a once-in-a-lifetime, if you're a, if you, if you're a Vikings or Minnesota football fan, and the last time the Super Bowl was here was 1992, it's like a once-in-a-generation thing. We're talking interactive games where you can test your football skills, live game action using virtual reality technology. You can also get a photo with the most prestigious trophy in sports. That's right, the Vince Lombardi Trophy in Minnesota. A very rare appearance for that trophy to be in Minnesota. Watch youth football clinics. Merchandise from NFL Shop presented by Visa. Daily player autograph sessions. Tickets are just 35 bucks for adults, 25 bucks for kids. Ticketmaster. It's the Super Bowl experience driven by Genesis. More from Radio Row next. Mackie and Judd. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, welcome back. Radio Row, Mall of America. You can go to mallofamerica.com to find all kinds of information about the events associated with Super Bowl 52. This broadcast is powered by Mall of America, and Dave Harrigan, who is off of his deathbed from these past couple days, he's about 14 pounds lighter ah, and yep. four shades whiter. Looking good. But the flu bug is gone, and he has questions. All right. I am so intrigued by the Aaron Rodgers thing, as you guys know. I cannot yes. get over it. He hates, hates that organization. He hates him. Let's get back into it. All right. Let <laughs> me paint a picture for you. The Aaron Rodgers experiment comes to Minnesota. And it has a very Farvian feel to it, okay? Maybe you get to the NFC Championship game. Maybe even get to the Super Bowl. But I'm going to tell you right now, you don't win the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, all right? You can look in the future, and I'm telling you, the Super Bowl victory does not come to Minnesota. But you at least get to see the experience and get to see what it's like. But afterwards, you might have to go through the Ponder era, let's say. That style of uh, exactly what happened after Brett uh, was done here. Do you sign up anyway just to see it? Absolutely. Oh, I love the intrigue. And if Aaron did that trying to stick it to the Packers like Brett did, you know what? If you tell me that that an Aaron Rodgers season, let's say they win 11 games, they lose in the divisional round, and then he hangs her up and comes back, you come back the next year and you take the gas pipe, 0-16, <laughs> I, I would go with it just to see what the Rodgers – experience here and your second <laughs> troll of your hated rival you have to right oh i don't even if I you know you've got three I, more years of garbage a, quarterback after that as you a, have to as a man who has invested my life in controversy and at times hatred and yes i love it phil there is no scenario in my mind that i can think of that would prevent me from wanting that to happen like the whole thing even with a devastating ending 
I'm in, and I'm even a step further. Like, you think I'm kidding and being facetious when I say, if there's a chance, oh, no, I 10% don't. chance no, I don't think you're kidding that he would come play here in two years I know when his you. contract is up, I'm not locking into Kirk Cousins. No, I believe you. I'll trust Teddy Bridgewater for a couple of years, see what happens. I'd franchise Case Keenum. And then I would enter, and I, I would absolutely make room for $25 million if needed, $30 million, whatever he wants to be paid. Like, I would manage my cap. It's a little bit like basketball teams managing for a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant. Yeah. You know, if you, you know, the Rockets have whiffed on some free agents. Now, they finally put together a team, but they've whiffed on, like, Dwight Howard in the past, and they whiffed on LeBron and stuff. But you got to you got to clear room. you got to have the meeting. you got to, you got to at least... What if you make it? Uh, you can make the the circumstances around uh, you know the scenario a reality if he if he pulls the trigger. What if the bridge was Breeze? What if you just go just all saw, out? I just saw a nugget on ESPN this morning that all he said out. once again he wants to retire in 70, New Orleans. Seventy-five million dollars guaranteed for the 2018 season. I don't care. <laughs> Maybe he just meant that's where he wants to live when he retires. Yo, hey. If he wants to practice all week with a bunch of other guys with a practice squad in New Orleans and they just fly him in for the games on Sundays, if that was the arrangement, if Drew Brees said, listen, I- I'm not going to practice with you guys because I like li- – it's like the Roger Clemens plane. Yes. I'll pitch for you, but I ain't going to travel with you. And if, if it's a road trip and I'm not scheduled to pitch and I'm just going to hang at home, I would let Drew Brees do that. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's what Favre did, basically. Why not? Why not yes. repeat it? Yes. So, uh, yeah, I think we're all aboard. All, all right. aboard the, the pipe dream here. Yeah. Well, let's go second question then. Back to what we talked about near the beginning of the show. Uh, the two Bills, 30 for 30. Yes. Uh, you can see it tonight on ESPN. You guys got a little look at it last night. You said it's outstanding, correct? Highly recommended? Absolutely. And the nugget you brought, uh, Phil, I own Judd as well, Bill Belichick nearly joining the Vikings coaching staff, 1984, the year of my birth. Let's head back to 1984 and look ahead the next 30 years of what Vikings football would have been had Bill Belichick joined the staff as D-backs coach or whatever it would have been. How different is the next 30 years of Vikings football versus what we've seen? Well, uh, multiple Super Bowls. So let's get let's get one thing straight here. The argument against it would be, well, Belichick failed in Cleveland and he didn't really figure it out until the early 2000s, and there's no way he would have lasted you know those 15 years in Minnesota. He would have gone somewhere else. He didn't fail in Cleveland. He built that team into a playoff contender without really like a franchise quarterback. I mean, they had some, it might have been the end of the Bernie Kosar era. He didn't want Bernie Kosar. uh, So, yeah, so it was like without a franchise quarterback. And they were ready to maybe make the playoffs again. And the owner moves them to Baltimore and the fan base is deflated, the team is deflated, and all those things go down. So, I think we're talking multiple Super Bowl rings. Here's what would have happened. You think the whole staff would have gotten blown out? I think he would have stood out. I think he would have been the diamond in the rough. Just like he was you know, Jets, Patriots, like every stop he was at, including Giants, with Bill Parcells, they wanted him to be the next head coach, uh, except for, I guess, first time around in New England. They, Robert Kraft didn't think it was the right time because he wanted the Parcells regime out. So anyways, long-winded point uh, to its conclusion, I think he would have shined in the early 80s. I think he would have became the coach maybe late 1980s or mid-1980s, earlier than he became the coach in Cleveland. And it would have lasted for 15 or 20 years, and it would have resulted in multiple Super Bowls. Yes. The Belichick resume would have looked like this. 83 NY Giants, 84 Minnesota Vikings, 85 NY Giants. Wow. They wouldn't have recognized it. One year. They wouldn't have recognized it. 
No chance. You think he would have gotten blown out with? He would have gotten blown out with the that whole of that staff. Get blown staff. out. The Jerry Burns bring in a totally different staff. Uh, no, because Grant came back and kept, right. and kept the people that that he liked. But I don't think he would have liked Bill Belichick. But I don't. I don't think that. But I think that Parcells would would have gone back to Belichick and said, "Come back now." And the staff w- would have been blown out when Stucco got fired, and Grant could have brought could have kept him, except he loved Parcells. I think at that time he would have ran back to the Giants, and so the only difference in the resume is there would have been a one-year blip in Minnesota. It is fun to speculate the butterfly effect, though, right? Hell yeah! If he would have stayed here, and he would have outshined you know Les Steckel, which wouldn't wouldn't have been difficult. I didn't realize that Les Steckel was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. He was a good in the late '90s when they good. went to the Super Bowl and yep. got beat by the Rams. He was just the, no idea. the problem here was he thought he was going to to run this like an army training ground. Yeah, I mean he had him doing drills on the first day of camp in Mankato while he was dressed up. Uh, it was just crazy. Yeah. And you're just assuming the staff would have gotten blown out after 84. I mean, who knows? He would have brought them to such a high level. Perhaps the whole staff would have been there and everything could have changed. I was yeah. there for it. You two weren't even born yet. I was born in 84. That counts. <laughs> I was something. really there for it. I was 14. <laughs> it's something. It was hell to go through. <laughs> it is. Uh, to Dave's point, I don't. So they were 3 and 13. Yeah. Is it, is it possible they would have gone like six and ten or seven and nine? Yeah, no, no, stop. It. stop Why not? Of, he brings some great defensive ideas into the room. Both and of if you. It wasn't such a train wreck. Actually, let's play this out. It, let's <laughs> Let's go, Judd. Okay. Come on, join the three join and, the club. Three and thirteen was such a disaster yeah. that they that they had to. Okay, let's bring Bud back. If if Bill Belichick was a defensive influence, if he was the coordinator, and they go seven and nine instead because they have a better defense, they don't fire Les Steckel. That's right. They keep him around. Think and Belichick that. gets a chance over multiple years mm-hmm. to show his brilliance yep. in the organization. He's your defensive 100%. coordinator by, what, 87, 88 two, at the latest? Are you or, two yeah. done? Like, he takes over done? as the head man in 91. The players you know. hated Stecco. They still w- would have hated less even with Belichick here. They might have won four games. Belichick you could have had now? the 91 season, 92 Super Bowl in the Metrodome, Vikings in that game instead of Washington. Yes. Or or. I didn't say. Sh- I just didn't say, shouldn't say could have. You would have, or a Absolutely. devastating defeat in the NFC Championship game before that. Well, that's the other option. I mean, Cowboys that. Yeah, that's is, fine. Well, and, and then is it possible that you don't make the horrific Herschel Walker trade because Bill Belichick has a better personnel mind? You absolutely you don't, don't trade away those picks. You're looking at one for the thumb I mean, at this I, point. I think Judge right? just left the table. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the next question. Do you want to leave the table? You can if you'd like. I'm just waiting for that. I, I know you have to go to the little boys' room. I do have to go to the little boys' room, but I want to hear the next question. All right, we've been almost through the uh, full uh, Super Bowl week. I've been in bed for two days of it, but you guys have been out here, and it is absolutely nuts today. There's, I'm just looking at the people out here in the food court, and there were, what, we're like five, six people deep it's at insane, least at every yeah. single spot, people with their phones out taking pictures, taking videos of everybody walking by. If you guys were not in the media at all, you were just football fans, you were just here for the week to enjoy, what would you be doing? Who would you be looking for? What would be the uh, the attractions that you would be looking for this week? I think if I was uh, here as a football fan, I probably would come up here, cruise around, and say it's way too packed. And so I would go down to, to the various events here at the mall, which I've been talking about all week long, where you can actually have meet and greets, and it, it's set up to meet players. Because, like, here... From where we are, the fans are sort of roped off, and you're sort of watching, which is which is okay. But I think if I was here as a fan, I, I would pick, I would look through the list of daily events and pick a few of the meet and greets, yeah. so I could actually have a chance to possibly get a photo, an autograph, or shake a player's hand. So, yeah, p- put it this way: 
I don't like IndyCar racing, and I don't like huge outdoor crowds of people. It just makes me squirm. Like camping makes me squirm, and music festivals that are outside, and you, know, you get porta potties. But I love experiences and bucket list items. I went to the Indy 500 five years ago with Chris Long and some other friends. Yeah. His family goes down there. Endured a sport I don't really like. <laughs> an event three days before the actual race, or like maybe a day or two before. A poison concert on the infield grass with just thousands of drunk wow. idiots running around porta potties. <laughs> this and, sounds like my own personal yeah, hell. Baking yeah, in the sun. It doesn't sound fun. And ordinarily so it would be my personal hell as well, but because big event like that, once in a lifetime experience is on my sports bucket list, I checked it off. Huh? So, you know, for this, if we weren't immersed in it every day and doing this, and it's been great, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this every day of my professional career, I would be at as many things as possible. I'd be at the convention center, I'd snoop around Radio Row, like I, I would be doing the same thing. It's fine, I mean, people are, it, right now, I mean, you look around, like Russell Wilson was over here, Deion Sanders, I mean, um, Gus Farad is standing to Judd's left right now, and you look, literally look around anywhere you go, Gus Cousins was in line at the Shake Shack. <laughs> Doug Flutie was yeah. slapping back over, over here. here Gus Farad, yep. he was great in 2008, I told Correct. you guys, yes. he's fantastic. You know, like, should have started you in the playoff game, Gus. So, yes, to answer the question, I think, would you, Dave? Like, you're not a big go-out. Oh, Dave but, would be nowhere near here. But would you come out and explore some of the stuff if yeah. you were immersed in it? No, I would. I would. I'd, I'd at least check it out. I don't know if I'd, how, how deep I'd get into it. But, I mean, come on, one every, once every 26 For years sure. at, at best Yeah, you gotta, we get here? you got to take some of it. In ni- I want to say in 92, it was all, I think it was all downtown back then. Like, they could fit everything in, in the convention center in 92. This is remarkable now. No, it's huge. It's, I mean, this thing has gone from being big to being absolutely massive and takes up the whole town. Well, now. I remember going to the NFL experience in 92 yeah. when it was here, you know, as a kid, as a, what, a eight-year-old. And, you know, where you run the sprint against yeah. uh, Daryl Green, how fast he is, and you try to kick the field goal and do all that thing. I can't imagine. I told you I'm going to go with this weekend just to check it out. I can't imagine how different, just massive it's going to be compared to what it was 26 years ago. Yeah. They should have uh, at the Super Bowl Live experience or whatever, they should have a station where you try to tackle air as aggressively as that poor defensive back for the Saints. Like, who can create oh, the most Williams? wind velocity whiffing on a key tackle late in the game? Or the Vikings in Philadelphia? <laughs> or that. Flying by Stefan yes. Diggs. There's absolutely no chance to tackle him, which still to this day uh, does not make any sense to me. To my dying day, I'll never get that Who one. can bite aggressively on a double move like Vikings defensive backs against the Eagles? Oh, I'm sorry. You clipped Diggs' legs and he fell down. You lose. Yep. Zach Ertz just beat you again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Oh, Maggie and Judd, another segment today. And uh, tomorrow's show, we have a bunch of guests as well. Tomorrow, you're going to hear Ken Rogers, the director of the Two Bills documentary that's on ESPN tonight, the 30 for 30. Let's come back. Another segment here. We'll wrap things up from Radio Row, Mall of America, Mackie and Judd. 1500 ESPN and Sprint want to send you to the ESPN campus in Bristol. You and a guest will receive round-trip airfare to Bristol to get an exclusive tour of ESPN, sit in during the live taping of Golik and Wingo, and meet the two Golik and Wingo, and more. Stop in any participating Minnesota Sprint store between now and February 9th to enter to win this trip that money can't buy. More details at 1500ESPN.com, keyword Sprint, and this final portion of Mackie and Judd today, brought to you by Metafast. Thank you, Jonathan. Another five minutes to go here. And then we're back tomorrow, and we just ran into Gus Farratt, who Vikings fans listening are going to remember from a couple different stints right. in purple. What's going I was on, the old Gus? guy before they brought the other old guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you saved the season in 2008, and, uh, and then they put T-Jack in for you the playoff tried game and threw a bad interception that you yeah. probably wouldn't have thrown, but that's water. Well, right. you know, it's funny. I'll never forget. I'll, I, I commuted back to St. Louis to be with my family, and Coach Childers called me 
after the next morning he said i need you back here right away i said well what's up coach and he goes well you're starting this week yeah i said oh what's up and he goes i need you to play so just get back on the saddle go do it you know end up didn't weigh didn't end up the way we thought it would but you know we end up winning the division which was which was or you know our division there and that was great and we had a lot of fun and i i, I mean those times that memory when you're 38 and you get to still play football yep. yeah what an experience yeah so tell us here we have just a few minutes we want to make sure that you're you're out here promoting a great cause uh, introduce your guest and also tell the audience what you're working on to help with brain injuries in the NFL. Yeah, so we appreciate you having us on. Uh, on Saturday at Le before Lee Steinberg's party, there's a Brain Health Summit, and I'm here with uh, Rihanna Shirell, and Rihanna is, and I are going to be on the summit talking about uh, women with concussions, and I'll let you tell her tell you a little bit about what she does, but before that, um, what I have done since I retired and transitioned into normal life um, I work with a group. We developed a technology that you can monitor your brain health. We're named after Roberto Clemente, and we have the Roberto app. And so basically, you, on any smartphone or tablet, uh, you can get your own baseline. And we so wanted to give Roberto the power. App, RobertoApp.com slash Gus for people. Right, yeah, and they go on to get a free 30 days. So that's what we're doing. It's uh, get your own baseline. And Rihanna, why don't you tell them a little bit about your story? Yeah, so I was a former soccer player, and um, I uh, was um, playing, and then I got concussed. And um, it took me about nine, ten years to fully recover. Um, and I wrote a book in order to kind of help people to create awareness to make sure that they continue to play. And um, as well for people that are in the situation that would like to get out to know that, you know, they're not alone. And uh, the Roberta app has been really helpful for me because it's, you know, morning training to kind of help train the brain as um, staying active so right we want to fire those synapses so is your brain ready for the day we all go through it and we want to make sure that your brain is ready and you know where it is so we're comparing you to you all the time not to yeah. you to somebody else because your life changes every day and why shouldn't you track it? We track everything else in our body, but there has been no easy way to track our brains. Right. And that's what we want to give people. Yeah. Roberto Clemente was a humanitarian that helped people all over this world. And so that's why we named our, our company after him. And we think that we can help people all over this world understand their brains a little bit better. Yeah. And our brains and our tool works for, with anybody from the ages of five to 105. So it's easy video games that you play on your phone. Awesome. So, awesome. so concussion-wise, Gus, what would you estimate now going back in your career, how many concussions that you suffered during the course of playing quarterback? Well, there's only two written down that I know of, but back in the day when they used to wake you up with smelling salts, yeah. they never wrote those ones down. Right. right. Oh and so, so there was a lot of times that you're knocked out or you're dizzy, you see stars. So I don't know. It's probably probably over 10 to 15. You know, but but that's just everybody. I think if you talk to anybody back in the day, that's how it was. And people like, as far as soccer, I think people think football is the concussion sport or hockey. You see these big, but and this might be a dumb. And I played soccer as a second grader, so I don't I don't I don't have any experience, but. I would assume just running around and having a ball bounce off your head. Those are little micro traumas too, right? I mean, or was it more like for you? Is it running into people more and collisions? Well, it's um, I had collisions, and also uh, I think it's balls. Not you know, mine was I didn't see a ball coming. It came from heart. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that unexpected. You know, ball winter balls, and um, it's just an athlete. You always keep going. You know, it's just like Gus was describing that too. You keep going not knowing that you know you're concussed and then you're you're driven the end results are sad but yeah and now in the nfl they've had to literally take it out of the player's control right if we think you're concussed 
we're taking you out of the game and putting you in the tents. Well, the problem is the players still don't have any control, right? Because we never understood it. We never had anything to give us some real-time data of what's going on with us. And so that's what we want to give players. We monitor over 700 players right now in the NFL concussion settlement with our full version and um, so that they can understand their brain health and they can take charge of their life. Yeah. Hey, who wins on Sunday? Both you guys. Who wins? We'll start with Gus. I'm, a, I'm an Eagles guy all the way. Chris Long is playing for the Eagles. He's my man, so <laughs> I'm looking for the Eagles. Plus, nobody in Pittsburgh really likes the Patriots. Yeah. So yeah. that's where I'm living now. Okay. So. Right on. I, I totally agree with him. Eagles it is. Yeah, I think Vikings fans are having a hard time coping with, like, they the are. defeat to the Eagles and then the fans throwing beer cans at their heads at the stadium <laughs> and stuff. So. Well, I always tell you, anytime I played in the Eagles, I told any of my family, I said, don't wear my jersey, don't wear our colors, wear Eagles colors, go have a good time. Vikings Otherwise, fans didn't take that advice, and that was the hey, problem. Dante Culpepper's mom got throw, stuff thrown at her the whole game <laughs> when <laughs> we played during that chance. It just didn't get talked about game. at the time. Yeah, exactly. it's, uh, it's robertoapp.com slash Gus. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks for having us. On. Thank and you uh, we'll be back with Thank more you. from Radio Road Thank tomorrow. You. Mackie and Judd from the Mall of America.